1: By Tor Salford Kings for a Day, the definitive Phil Collins Pompey pun, and for Kevin Ellison, revenge is a dish served straight in your enemy's face. This is the Totally Football League show in association with Paddy Power. Hello, listener, hope you're well. Matt Davis-Adams here to talk through all the big news and notes from the English Football League. Uh, Sam Parkin's been celebrating a big birthday this weekend, so he's rested this week. Happy 21st from all of us here, Sam. Uh, Adrian Clark retains his starting berth, though. Hello, Clucky.
2: Hello. Yes, I've, I've welcomed uh, Mr. Parkin into a very, very
1: special <laughs> and elite
2: club where all the cool kids reside.
1: Yeah, and he will thank you very much for not naming that club. Uh, Michelle Owens back with us once again. Still coming down from Bristol Rovers, nil Wimbledon, nil on Saturday, presumably, Michelle.
3: The best thing about it was the varying weather and the great view I had over Bristol of the storms. That's the most I can say about that game for you.
1: (laughs) All right, fair. Uh, Completing our lineup this week, a very warm welcome to former Lake Norian gaffer, Ross Embleton. Thanks for joining us, Ross. Oh thank you for having me. Just um obviously devastated
4: not to be on here with Sam, to be honest. Um <laughs> I remember his time at, at Leighton Orient and um And then I bumped into him a few times around when I was at Swindon. So, uh, as you say, he's enjoying his 21st birthday.
1: (laughs) It's been a brilliant opening five minutes for Sam. He's not even on the pod. Um, We're going to get to our uh, to our championship chat soon, but I wanted to start Ross by asking you a a couple of questions. We're we're a couple of weeks on now from your departure from Leighton Orient, so the dust has settled somewhat. What's next for you? Do you think is is it management or, or back to coaching, ideally?
4: I, the answer is don't know. I think the great thing is when you say about the dust settling, you do realise that once a couple of weeks go by that people stop asking you all the dramatic questions and you can start to think like a normal person again. So I think for me, it's um, I've I've loved it. It's been a great experience. One, obviously being manager of Leighton Orient, a club that I followed as a kid, but at the same time, um, with all the jobs I've had in football, I'm quite open-minded. So I would love another crack. At it doesn't have to be tomorrow. Uh, it could well be, you know, further down the line. But I think because I've because I've I've coached all the way through my through my life, really, I, I'm open minded to to various different opportunities within the game, really.
1: Yeah, because you spent quite a lot of time in youth football as well, haven't you? So that's an area that that might potentially interest you in the future.
4: Yeah, and I, I think look, it's obviously, growing up as a coach when you haven't played, people potentially think about you know all you're going to do is sort of reach a for, you know, certain level and limit within youth football. But for me, I've loved that. Part of my career, so it gives me plenty of opportunities to be uh, to be willing to approach. Really,
2: I'm sure you get get straight back in, Ross. Um, look, it's a, it's a strange one, your dismissal because it was going so well, wasn't it? It was going brilliantly. You were flying. You were punching. I think above above expectations, scoring a lot of goals. Did what happened in in January? Can I just ask? Did did the goalpost change in terms of the expectations of the club? Because it feels to me like like promotion would have been a bonus rather than an expectation.
4: Yeah, I think when we sort of set out, and this is not you know, talking anything against the the club because I think the chairman's gone on record since I've left of, of stating the fact that they wanted to get into the playoffs. But our our our. Focus at the start of the year was to finish mid-table, preferably in the top half, and everything was about trying to improve on last year. So we felt we were on track to do that. And and if I'm honest, probably looking back, getting to 6th, 7th in the league in and around Christmas has probably ended up shooting us in the foot. And we recruited well in January. But we also lost a few to injury. I've never used that as an excuse, so please don't think I'm trying to do that. But I think we recruited players very, very well, the 3-4 that we brought in. Um, and we started to look forward, but, we, you know, we hit a bit of a, a bump in the road. And I felt that that's what it was, a bit of a bump in the road. Um, and we were probably where I thought we we might be, maybe a little bit lower than than I would have hoped. But um, we, were, we were excited about, or I was, anyway, excited about the second half of the season. So I think, yeah, definitely, the focus became on about about the playoffs because we got ourselves into those positions that we did.
1: Well, Orient's loss is uh, is our game for today, <laughs> at least. So you, you can relax now. That's that's the heavy grilling out of the way. <laughs> Thank God for that. <laughs> <laughs> right, we'll start. I look back at the weekend's action in the Championship momentarily
0: and they're off the plucky youngster on the inside has started fast number 7 now going down the outside the big fella in the middle is racing to make up the ground a late charge and across the line yes the ball is across the line excellent header from the big fella to celebrate an unbelievable week of racing and football get a completely free £5 bet on Tuesday Wednesday and Thursday of Cheltenham and a £5 risk-free bet builder on Chelsea v Atletico Madrid Paddy Power Max 1 £5 free bet per customer per day racing free bets available 48 hours before first race each day pre-match bet builder bets only minimum legs 2 plus max cash refund 5 pounds if it loses t and C's supply 18 plus be gamble
5: this is the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network.
1: Championship headlines, I talk Aranka has been slash will be slash is currently being sacked by Birmingham after a less than stellar tenure with the Blues. On the pitch, Norwich keep up the good work. They came back from a goal down to beat Chef Wed. There's late drama in Cardiff as Watford goes second and Barnsley win a five goal thriller at Bournemouth. Eight players currently playing their trade in the EFL are in the England Under-21 squad for the upcoming Euros. Coventry are heading home. The Sky Blues have agreed a 10-year deal to return to the Rico from next season. And in less good news, Bradley Dax suffered what looked like another serious knee injury as Blackburn lost to Brentford on Friday night. And we're going to start our look back, though, on the South Coast, where Barnsley bested Bournemouth in a five-goal thriller between the two playoff hopefuls. And Michelle, before we get to the game, Lewis Cook out for the season for Bournemouth. How big of a, an absence is he going to be for them?
3: Oh, massively. I mean, when I was I did the game um, against Cardiff and they'd had a few injury problems around there and sort of berating who'd been coming and going. But yeah, gutting, gutting for them. But I do think they've got other areas of quality to step in for him. They've got experience at the back as well, sort of going through the spine of the team. So as big a miss as he is, they should have players that that can step in, like Billing, and if they decide to actually use Jack Wilshire at some point as well. Um, so yeah, big loss, but they should, when you look at it on paper, they should have the squad depth, but not ideal at this stage.
1: Clarkie, what do you think gave Barnsley the edge in this game? Was it that half time triple substitution maybe?
2: <laughs> it was a rocket, I think, from the from the manager. Some of the players spoke afterwards about being shocked at, at how angry uh, Valerian uh, Ismail got at half time. Completely lost his temper and and tore into the players. And sometimes you just need to do that. I mean, it'd be interested to get Ross's take on this because obviously you want to be all about communicating properly and you want to get on with your players and you want it to be a harmonious environment. But every now and again. <laughs> You've just got to smash the teacups, and you've just got to <laughs> lay into one or two players. No surprise that he made a triple sub. He does that when they're winning, so I don't think that that was necessarily the the, the spark. Even though the players that he brought on did did change the game in in Morris, Kane, and and Styles. So yeah, it was it was a it was a it was a great reaction to to that that halftime berating. And you've got to give give this guy some credit because. He had the confidence to leave out Daryl Dike, who's been basically the championship's biggest handful for the last month. And and, and he he rested him and brought him on in the second half. So it's another massive tick in the sort of Barnsley positivity box. They're doing the business on on the pitch and, and the gaffer continues to really impress
1: the Barnsley Positivity Box. There you go, uh, Producer Abby. I think we've got the title for this week's pod. Um, Ross, with a half-time ranting and rave, but I guess the, the key is to kind of limit them, isn't it? Because otherwise they just lose their impact if you did that every week.
4: Yeah, I would always liken it to like the school teacher that you had that used to shout at you all the time. It's about having the impact. And I think, like you say there, about the substitutions and making... Making a point with, with those, leaving players out, especially in, in in this current schedule that people are facing it's, it's important to get your timing right, isn't it about when you leave your big boys out and give them a rest um, but I think when, with the half time round, I think the days are gone of of John sitting getting people up against the wall and sacking people, but I think <laughs> it's about it's about being able to make the right noises at the right time, and like you said you do it too often it'll just drift.
2: There was a great stat in this game, Matt, or that emerged afterwards. Basically Bournemouth's matchday squad was worth £115 million. Um, and that's more than Barnsley have ever spent in their history on transfers. <laughs> so look, it's it's an, it's a great result for them and it just keeps them keeps them rolling on and, and the fact that they came from behind to do it will just they will just be absolutely bouncing, won't they, at the moment, Barnsley. They they don't seem like they're going to, to sort of crumble when the pressure is on.
1: So Bournemouth have got a stacked squad, Michelle. What have you made of Jonathan Woodgate's time there so far? He was unbeaten in his first four, but only two wins from the subsequent six.
3: Well, I think anyone playing Barnsley at the moment has got their work cut out. So that, that is something to be said. I'm beaten in the last 11 now. But you've got to think, Bournemouth going to that game, we may not have thought it a few months ago, but that was massive playing Barnsley because they're both the two teams in contention for that sixth spot at present if you're gonna want to try and not lose a game it's that one um I, yeah the last time I watched uh Bournemouth play in person was the Cardiff game and I thought they might have learned a few lessons from that game in terms of I'm not saying Barnsley the most physical side but Cardiff were very physical that day and when they got the lead they held on to it so I just thought I would have learned a few lessons from from that game I know Barnsley and scored the win in the 80th minute. But well, uh, it's a difficult one to answer. What do I make of Jonathan Woodgate? I'm not convinced he'll be there long-term um, because it's been a pretty mixed bag so far, hasn't it? Because they had that great win over Watford. But then this, this again, is a, is a, the cliché, well, I suppose, don't lose game if you're going for that sixth spot, which is really where they, Reading, Barnsley and Cardiff, are all competing for those those final two spots at the moment. Um, but all credit to, to Barnsley. They were seven points off the top six when they last lost the league game. And that was January the 19th. They are the form team on a run. So tough one for Bournemouth to take, but I'm not that convinced on Jonathan Woodgate yet. Sorry.
2: Just, just a quick one on this. What Barnsley are, are a nightmare to play against with their sort of heavy pressing and the work rate and, and the tempo they play at. And they're very direct. They force other teams to change. And I think, I think in this game, Bournemouth ended up going much more direct than they usually do. Probably lost a lot of rhythm because of that. And, that, and that's part of the Barnsley secret. It's not just about individuals, about being tough to play against. And, and they alter the way that their opponents play, which is it's a big, big thing.
1: All right, next to the Cardiff City Stadium, where Mick McCarthy tasted defeat for the first time as Bluebirds boss after Watford snatched a late winner to beat Cardiff 2-1. Seven wins in eight now for Watford. Ross, if, if, you, if you're the Watford manager, you kind of need runs like that, basically, don't you? Because you know the first sign of a bad one, you, you're going to be out the door.
4: Yeah, you do, right, you are. Yeah, you're always going to be looking over your shoulder, so it's nice, and I think... um the intensity that you're just talking about there from Barnsley, but the intensity that you see from from Watford at the weekend showed that people are are looking forward and, and, and confident in terms of you know where it can go and what they can what they can obviously achieve. And I think the the big thing I noticed at the weekend from that team was the amount of energy and pace that was in there in there. You know, it's um, coming up against an opposition like that they are always tough to play against. A lot of similarities to what we were just talking about as well with Barnsley. In terms of a different way, but uh, in comparison to, to the threat that Barnsley put towards you, that you know that pace and being able to get on the front foot really made a big impact for for Watford at the weekend.
1: What about Cardiff, Michelle? One win in four is that is that a sign that they're tailing off? They got the big derby with Swansea next weekend.
3: Yeah, definitely had the new manager bounce, but even though it's only one win in four, that was their first defeat by my reckoning, and that's I'm not very good at reading since the um, 20th of January, which was the final straw for. Neil Harris. So it was Mick McCarthy's first defeat. And if you look back at the games they've they've played recently, Borough are a really tough, tough side to play against. So a draw wasn't a bad result away there. They thrashed Derby 4-0. And you know, Dylan Phillips, the Cardiff City goalkeeper, I um, wouldn't want to criticise him too much because I think he's been fantastic for them since he came in when Smithies went off ill against Bristol City. He's he's kept his place. But there were some questions whether he could have done better with Messina's free kick. He said himself after the game, he felt he could have saved saved it. Um, but there's going to be moments like that. And I don't think they would be too worried because, you know, only one defeat in that period is pretty incredible in almost, what, two months? That's good going. Um, I saw some Cardiff City fans saying, oh, that's the end of our playoff push now. But it's too early. There's still so much football to be played. It's too early to say that. And they're uh, six points off. Again, how's your maths? Seven points off Barnsley um, in sixth now um, on the same game. So I can see why there could be a little bit of pessimism, but there's there's still so much to play for. And they're still playoff contenders at the time of recording. A massive, massive game against Swansea, who aren't actually playing that Well, at the moment, so it's a big opportunity for them at the weekend.
1: Sure is, uh, Clark You get the serious questions on on this Cardiff Watford game. Firstly, have we made enough for the fact that Watford have got a player called Philip sinkenagel And secondly, how cowardly was Francisco Sierra oh.
2: at the end, legging it down the tunnel after <laughs> he'd uh, clocked and <laughs> Flint from behind? Just an embarrassment. Yeah, just just. I mean, that's a big. That's supposed to be a big. Big strong centre half. What's going on? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and Mick McCarthy uh, laid into him, didn't he? So so he has got his comeuppance there. <laughs> but yeah, Zinkeneger is a great name. They got they got a number of them though, haven't they? William Troost Eking eking at the back. Backman in goal. It's 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 quite unusual. On on that Dylan Phillips uh, goal. Obviously it was an absolute rasp,er wasn't it from from Messina? But just Dylan Phillips did what all of us would have done and just dived out of the way of it, didn't he? He's <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not meant
3: to. I mean, that's that was, the point. <laughs> that was a broken
2: risk, <laughs> bro- broken risk territory. That was um, on on Cardiff. I, I think Cardiff will be all right. I actually really like um, the Murphy and Moore combo at the top. I think that's a, that's got a lot of potential. So so it'd be interesting to see how they develop in the in the weeks to come.
1: Right, it is 24 minutes past one on Monday at time. I've just refreshed the Birmingham City Twitter page, but they're still wishing everybody a happy Mother's Day. Uh, so I don't think they're going to be confirming Italker <laughs> departure within the next few minutes, but we are expecting it to happen. Uh, Blue Nose and friend of the show, Ian Danter, summed up the general mood of apathy amongst supporters with this tweet. What do I think? Shrug shoulders. It's a difficult situation, Ross. Karanka's not had a, a great start to his time there, that people don't really like the football, but, but there are wider problems, aren't there? And, and you can have Pep Guardiola as your manager, but it, but if the structure around the manager isn't right, then you're not going to get results on the pitch.
4: No, it certainly makes it very difficult. And I think what happens then is is your style of play comes into question because you're not picking up results. I think you can... Smother over whether you know whether people like watching your team or not, if you're picking up a few results or people can see some sort of progress. but certainly like the the, the structure around going into work every day as that head coach or manager it, it, you need it to be as settled as possible enable to it, to enable you to start getting those 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 messages across. I think the other thing that I, I noticed was that um, he's managed that team without any fans. In his in his whole tenure, and I think you look at certain clubs. I know someone like Millwall jumps out of that. Managing a club like that without your fans must be extremely difficult because they they make a huge impact on that as well. So, like I say the the run hasn't been a great one for him, but as a as a Birmingham as a, as a player going to play against Birmingham, it would always be a fairly intimidating environment to go into. So I think certain clubs do lack that.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, Michelle, by the time people listen to this, Lee Bowyer might already have been announced as as Itor Karanka's replacement. What, what, what's he thinking here? He, he spent half his time at Charlton with one hand tight behind his back. They've got new owners and now he's going into a situation which might be even worse than the one that he found himself at the Valley.
3: Maybe he just likes tricky situations. He likes to <laughs> test himself. I don't know. I mean, when you say it like that, it seems... Really bizarre, but um, yeah, I saw um, the South London Press reporter Richard Crawley had um, tweeted that Lee Bowyer had resigned as Charlton manager. We don't obviously have official confirmation yet, but apparently he told the players he was leaving. He was um, linked last summer, so maybe there's there's something uh, in that. I, I just I'm just a bit confused, really, because you'd think that maybe it was going to be a bit more of a even keel at Charlton for him now. And in from what's what's the saying? from the frying pan into the fire Um, it's just going to be really another tricky tricky role for him but yeah maybe he likes to test himself and the other thing is he's going into a job that if he does take it although Birmingham are just um, outside the relegation places at the moment in the championship Rotherham have all those games in hand in them even more now following their COVID outbreak and delay and I know Rotherham have to win those games but he's going into a Birmingham side if he goes that have got some really hard fixtures coming up you know I've probably wouldn't be in place for Reading on Wednesday, but Watford, Swansea and Brentford, you know, it's, it's a huge task to keep them up. So I'm not quite sure what, what he's thinking. Something we definitely don't know. That's for sure.
1: Mm, yeah. It's a strange one. Uh, hey Adrian, you lucky swine. You were at the home of the two time European champions on Saturday. Give us a line on, on Forrest versus Reading.
2: Well, it was much more exciting than anticipated. 38 shots in total, 23 of them from, from Reading. So so houghton wasn't quite as watertight as 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 maybe I expected his team to be. Look, it was I, ju- I was just shocked by Forrest's low intensity. I've seen more life in in training sessions than I had in the first twenty minutes. It was just a case of were Reading going to step through the gears, and it actually took Forrest to score a goal out of nowhere to really wake Reading up. And and in the end, they. They piled on the pressure. They got the equaliser, and and I think if the game had gone another ten minutes, Reading would have, um, would have won the game. Um, yeah, Forest wasn't wasn't blown away by them. I got to say, mate. Um, for Reading, they look way short of automatic promotion quality without the sort of guile of Ajaria and and Swift in there. But but they're good at what they do, and and yeah, I think I think they got a chance of probably sneaking the last playoff spot, but it, it might be a close run thing.
1: Uh, Now then, if the events of the last 12 months haven't convinced you that the apocalypse is coming, then this surely will. We actually won our midweek ACCA last week, uh, so all the pressure piled (laughs) on this week. The odds were 9-1, to which meant our stake, along with Paddy Powers, produced a payout of £100, which will be going to our charity of choice, that being Macmillan Cancer Support. Uh, Can we make it two from two? Probably not. It's not going to stop us trying, though. Uh, My pick comes from the Championship. It won't surprise anybody to learn that I'm having Brentford to beat Derby. Abby, can you give us some odds on that, please?
5: Yeah, it will come as no surprise. Brentford nineteen to twenty uh, to beat Derby, but if you fancy backing the home side on this one, they are three to one uh, with the draw coming in at twenty three to ten.
1: Okay, we'll keep going with that as we roll on. Uh, now you might be expecting League One to come next. You'd be wrong. We're off to Wembley for two slices of pizza slash trade. <laughs>
6: City, a league below, but a cut above today.
1: A weekend for teams at Wembley, beginning with S. Two games, one goal. Thrilling. Quick recap, the EFL Trophy final from last season was never played, so the EFL decided to host both on the same weekend uh, in front of no supporters, but anyway. And let's start on Saturday. Our special correspondent Sam Parkin was at Wembley to witness Salford's upset win over Portsmouth. We can hear from Sam now.
6: Salford thoroughly deserved the win, albeit on penalties. Uh, Portsmouth, two shots on target that I can recall. One of those in extra time uh, the three changes that Kenny Jackett had made at half-time um, had very little impact, and I thought that was telling uh, in regard to the mood of the players, shot of confidence, lack of enthusiasm, um, and no morale, really, that I could see. The writing looked looked on the wall. Um, they did, didn't improve after those changes. Um, the system was odd in the first half. It was like four-two-two-two. Two, two. Uh, zero width, it meant that, Torre in particular for Salford, had loads of joy down the left hand side, put in some good deliveries, Harvey White and Ryan Williams for Portsmouth played, completely tucked in, Wasn't completely understand what they were trying to achieve, but they couldn't play through Salford. Didn't make one chance for John Marquis throughout the 90 minutes. And Salford did create chances, stacks of them. Thomas Asante and Wilson were excellent, but the back three, incredible, could see exactly why they are the the best defence in League Two. So not a surprise what happened 24 hours later, because that was as bad as I've seen Portsmouth in a long time.
1: Uh, Russell, a word on the winners, Salford. They, they made light of the gap in the divisions between the two sides.
4: Yeah, I thought so. Salford are always a team that I'll look out for because we I sort of travelled through the National League with them and, and obviously been back in, in the AFL the last few years. So always a team I'm keen to see how they develop. And obviously made a big change this year, didn't they, in terms of Graham Alexander going at a, at a really interesting time. But I think it was obviously a change of style that they wanted. And you really see that at the weekend. I really like the way that they try to play. I think obviously it goes without saying, and they got very good players for the level that, that they're currently at. Um, but I thought they were very, very good first half, very comfortable. I think it levelled off a little bit in the second half once Portsmouth made the changes that they did. But um, to come out of it, the winners, I thought, I thought Salford deserved it, if I'm honest.
1: Clarkey, this is going to be the last time I'm going to get to say no jacket required uh, for a little while. It's not a surprise, is it? Kenny jacket removed after this, as Sam said. There, they were, they were poor, and, and this has been coming for weeks, months, years.
2: Yeah, look, Ross brought up the the fact that no fans have been inside stadiums. Um, Portsmouth is another ground where that can be really, really intimidating and and loud. But maybe Kenny jacket would have been relieved actually not to have been playing the, the last few games in front of a pack Fratton Park because it hasn't gone well. Lost six of their last eight. They've lost their edge. I mean, me and Sam were tipping them for a promotion and it everything's just gone a little bit flat. And yeah, it happens, doesn't it? I think sometimes you, you, can, you can look at the performances and say, are they playing for the manager? Have they b- lost belief in Kenny Jackett? And when you, you look at how flat they were, that, that, that is an easy thing to say, but but those players have got to take responsibility as well. There's, there's enough talent there to have beaten Salford, to have been much, much better of late. So so they've got to buck their ideas up and, and it'd be fascinating to see which direction they take. I, I see that Daniel Stendhal and, and Neil Harris are the favourites. They would be excellent choices in my opinion. But if, if Pompey are looking for a change in style... And a bit more excitement, Stendhal would be the choice ahead of Harris. I think Harris isn't that dissimilar to, to Kenny Jacket stylistically. So, yeah, I don't think he can have any complaints. But, yeah, fascinating to see what they do next. Uh, Will has tweeted us at the Totally Show to ask whether Pompey
1: should go for a permanent appointment now or, or an interim to take him through until the summer. Michelle, I guess it depends who they're going for, doesn't it? It's the, it's the uh, quick answer to that question. If it's somebody in a job, you might have to wait until the summer. If it's Neil Harrison getting there.
3: Yeah, that's true. But it depends how much they want promotion as well. You just go out and get... Well, it depends on their financial situation, but how much they want to go up this season. They are only just outside the playoffs. So... I think there's, there's sort of two answers in that. Yeah, if the man they really or the person they really really want is out there and they have to wait till someone they will, but then if they're that desperate for that promotion this season, you know, think how close they've gone the last couple of seasons, it's a tricky one.
1: So a day after Salford had won Sunderland beat Tranmere by a goal to in the 2021 final Linden Gooch with the only goal, of not just this game but the whole weekend at Wembley, Sunderland put in their curse to rest at last. It's their first win at the National Stadium for half a century. I guess, Ross, they'll be desperate for this to be their only trip to Wembley uh, this season, given how they've fared in, in playoff finals past.
4: Yeah, without doubt. I think mean, they're not going to win. I think we all, we all remember the Charlton game, don't we? So it ends up becoming, a, Sunderland become a club. When, when you hear stats like they haven't won there for 50 years, you wonder if they've been playing there every week. It makes a, <laughs> it, makes it uh, sound a hell of a lot, lot worse than it probably actually is for them. But I thought it was a really even game. Uh, really impressed with the way Tranmere go about it. What I like about them is they, Tranmere can 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 accommodate most styles. They can go and have a right good go with you if, if it's you know if it's a bit of a ding dong type affair. And then if they need to play, they've got good enough footballers that can really go and impose themselves on the game. I found that out in the last game of uh, of my tenure, obviously. But I think. Um, I think they, they they can do a bit of everything, and obviously keeps a really experienced man in terms of the job that he does. So it's quite an even even game, but but the goal was a fantastic one. The pass to, to get him into score was 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 outstanding for for the one open, going open play over the weekend.
2: Yeah, it was a brilliant, brilliant pass, wasn't it, from McGee, at one moment of, of quality. Just going back to Tranmere quickly, you've obviously seen them up up close and personal. Would it be a surprise to you now? if they didn't make automatic promotion because they've not been in the top three, I don't think, or hardly ever throughout the season. But it seems to me that they might just be the best team in the the league at the moment.
4: I don't think it would be a massive surprise. We actually played them away, beaten 1-0 when Michael Jackson was still in charge. It was one of his last two or three games. And when Keith went in, I remember saying to my staff, like, they've got some really good players. They've got some really good players. Real experience. And I touched upon there earlier about the way they can go about games. I think gives you a really good chance, as to me at all, if they, if they run it very, very close and, and, and get themselves out of the division.
3: Uh, and just a quick nod, obviously, to Sunderland and Lee Johnson. He's um temporarily had a pizza store named after him um in Sunderland. It's called Papa Lee's instead of Papa John's, and apparently they sold out of pizza after the win as well. So there you are. Some good marketing.
1: <laughs> Wonder if he has pineapple. We'll never know. Probably. Uh, By the way, for more on Sunderland's win, head to The Athletic for Philip Buckingham's piece all about breaking the curse. If you're not already a subscriber, then use the promo code League Show to get all the athletic goodness. For just £4 a month for six months, that is £1 a week. Okay, back to our regularly scheduled League One roundup next. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone?
4: Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
5: On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker, and now ad-free on The Athletic. This is the Totally Football League Show with Matt Davis-Adams.
1: League One headlines. Lewis Potter keen to keep up holes winning ways. That's five on the spin for the Tigers, who have a seven-point buffer between themselves and the playoff pack. Rochdale stunned Lincoln to move off the bottom. Troy Parrott got on the score sheet for the first time in senior football as our pal Paul Cooked up a first win. And speaking of Ipswich, Darren Drysdale free to referee again after being given a backdated ban after his clash with Ipswich's Alan Judge last month. Meanwhile, Swindon have signed veteran keeper and free agent Lee Camp until the end of the season. A shock result of the day saw bottom of the table Rochdale earn a sensational win at promotion-chasing Lincoln. They came into this Dale on their longest goalless run for 40 years. It was a beauty from Ollie Rathbone to end that run. Sets them up for a, another tough game to come, Clarke, against Peterborough this weekend, but but this will give him a real shot in the arm.
2: Ah, oh, massively, yeah. I mean, it was incredible that they'd gone on this sort of barren run because that was their thing. Scoring goals wasn't wasn't an issue, was it, for Rochdale? They were banging them in for fun, just losing four-three. So so they'll be delighted to have sort of Got back onto the goal trail. They, they were rock bottom of the form table. But this was no fluke. This was this was a an outplaying really of, of Lincoln. They went to three at the back, 3-5-2, which hasn't been their, their stock formation this season. So that in itself is is interesting for Brian Barry Murphy moving moving forwards. They should have had a pen as well. So so yeah, it's it's a real confidence. Boosting win for for Rochdale and and I think that battle at the bottom of League One is, is really interesting now because Swindon are, are playing terribly and uh, they're not looking good. Wimbledon are a bit devoid of of goal threat, but everyone else seems to be in pretty good nick at the moment. So I think that battle for the for the bottom two um, spots in the relegation zone is going to is going to be seriously uh, contested, and, and I think Rochdale have a chance because they score goals or oh, oh. <laughs> they've remembered how to score goals. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> what about Lincoln, Ross? Only two wins from their their last nine league games. We know they've got some key players out injured at the moment. A, a danger that they're just running out of gas at the wrong time? Yeah, it's not a great
4: thing to see for them, is it? I mean, they looked unstoppable, didn't I, I think, when I say surprise, I think they just sort of caught everyone off guard at the start of the season. But, you know, like I say, they looked, they looked unstoppable at one stage, but they seem to a bit, hit a bit of a bit of a snag and then not being able to to kick themselves in again. And I think when you are missing key clientele or, or one or two important players, obviously it does become very difficult to bounce back from. But I thought the three goals across the game were, were all really good goals. All came about in different ways, but three individual bits of quality off of a throw, off a of knockdown and that sort of thing. But the, the bits of skill around the box for people to... Uh, to create the opportunity to score was outstanding. And I'm really pleased for Brian Barry Murphy. And you see that reaction from the players when the when the winner went in it, there was a real collective lift. So I think like you touched upon there, is that things like that are so important. That That little bit of momentum, that little bit of togetherness that one or two others might not have
2: might just be the difference that lifts you out. Definitely. Um, going back to Lincoln quickly, great recruitment as as always, really from Appleton. Um, Rogers scored that great goal. He looks a real talent. I Just wanted to ask you about Michael Appleton because he's been linked with the Sheffield United job, which is which would be quite the step up. Um, but but I know that people in the game do think highly of, of Appleton. What's your what's your sort of opinion of him as a manager, a, a, a coach?
4: I um I've got a lot of admiration for him. I've come met him, bumped into him, and met him a couple of times and I think his teams always play good football and I think exciting football and I think, you know, without that being outrageously dominant on the ball, they are attractive to watch. They're they're attack minded and I think that's probably what gives him that opportunity of looking further up the ladder. Do you know what I mean? He's not sort of a set lower league manager of, you know, Play a certain way, and that might be his ceiling, and might turn bigger clubs off of taking him. And I think he's done some he's done some good jobs already in the past. and And he's gone in there, and like you said, the recruitment and the way that they've they've brought players in, they've got some good young players as well. So it's not just like he's gone and got a load of experienced ones that are used to getting out of League One. He's he's taken a couple of young boys on loan and, and found a few gems. So I think he would certainly be of an appeal to to clubs further up the ladder.
1: Elsewhere in League One, Doncaster Rovers drew nil-nil with Northampton, but since their managerial change, Andy Butler's taken up the reins and carried on where Darren Moore left off. We can speak with Andy now. Uh, Andy, not the result that, that you wanted on on the weekend, so we won't spend too much time on that. But but I wonder how have you found it, and also what's the message from above been? Is it you know promotion or bust for the rest of the season, or is it just signs of improvement that that? Uh, the people in power are looking for?
7: No, it's not the result we wanted on the weekend. No, not not um, far from it. Um, the players know what we, we've said to them and we're going to move on from that. We can't dwell on it too much now. But um, as for my, my future, um, the club have said that if there's a progression and a the pathway, then there's a discussion to be had in the summertime. So um, it's not all playoff and bust. It's hopefully the progression. Obviously, I put the pressure on myself and... And the staff put pressure on me to, to get the results, but at the same time, as long as there's a pathway, a pathway and a process there and um discussions to be had.
1: You you were in charge of the, the women's team before you took this job. I wonder how much that that's helped you make the transition into being a manager. It, it was probably invaluable, wasn't it? Having having spent that time working with players already.
7: Yeah, well, it's uh it's something that I um I took a chance on with the Doncaster Bells. Um I was coaching with the academy for about five or six years and the opportunity came up and I thought like I said that the experience would be invaluable to where I want to go in the future. Obviously managing a team, the academies are all pretty well, well structured and the, the philosophies and, and and the syllabus is all set out. Whereas I thought if I take the Doncaster bells on, then it's my approach, my way and, and, and see how it goes from there. And it's, it's been a really enjoyable journey. Um, the players have took on the board information ever so well. And and we've got some good results. I, I think when we took over, we were second bottom, and as a, as a, the league stands at the moment, we're, we're second top. So it's it's been a good turnaround. But that's all down to the players' application and and shows. In terms of the
1: the men's team, some of your veterans been been stepping up. I'm, I'm talking specifically, of course, about James Coppinger. How's it been managing somebody who's older than you? It's quite a rare thing in football.
7: Uh, yeah, uh, no, it's 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 fine. Cops is uh, unbelievable role model and a professional. He uh, he leads by example and he's always there for me to me to lean on if I need to be and, and vice versa. We've been together, well, we've played together for quite a while now. And um we know each other in, in, inside and out. So it's 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 quite good to have a relationship with a player who you know you can trust and who's got your back because I'm still learning the job and and he's as well. So at the same time we if we can use each other's experience because I've been around the game a long time as well we we hopefully comes comes well for both
1: it's an incredible amount of experience that you've got in, in all sides of the game, but also not just within football uh, reading up on you before fingers in pies was the was the phrase that, that came to mind. You're a qualified referee and a locksmith and things could have been very different. Had you not pitched up at Rovers there, there, was another
7: change of career that you're preparing for. Yeah. Um, I looked to t- get into the police force. I'm also a level two plumber as well. Um, <laughs> Uh, so yeah, no, they, just it was just a career choice, and I had a, a, a bad injury. Well, I had operations on my feet when I was uh, at Huddersfield, and I went to, to Warsaw at the time. And I just thought to myself, if I, if football doesn't go well for me, how can um, I, I keep earning money for my family and I keep a mortgage paid? Because football's not gonna last forever. And I keep saying to the younger players, it's you've got to have other avenues to exploit um, to explore. So when you football runs out, average career of football is about eight years. I've been lucky to have one for, I think, 16 years. So it's a, I've been really, really fortunate, um, but no, it just, it came to a stage where I thought, where can I go, where can I stay in football? So I looked down a refereeing pathway and, and got to level five refereeing from, um, level one was the top, but I got to level five, but I couldn't progress any further because they, they needed Saturday games, which I was busy on a Saturday, which was difficult. And then, uh, no, just during the summer, it was, it was tough. Like it's tough for everybody. Um, and again, just looking at ways I can get a job. Uh, the police force is some of that excited me. I don't think I really want to sit behind a desk, even though I sat behind a desk right now. Um, um, but no, a desk job. And so just it's something different and um, it's something challenging. I, I love challenges in life and it just seemed to like a challenge. Uh, so it was something I was looking at.
1: Yeah, excellent. Um, Final question then. You've got Oxford tomorrow. They've not beaten anybody above them in the table yet. So so that's going to be three points for you then, surely?
7: Well, Oxford will be a tough game. Um, Hopefully the run continues. Um, But no, it'll be a tough game. Carl Robinson's got a very well-organised side there and he makes them play attractive football. So it'll be a tough game. But again, we've got to impose ourselves onto the game and come out the other side with a positive performance. If you get a positive performance, then the result will follow. Um, I keep saying that to the players, get the the, the performance first and the result will follow. And we've got a good squad here as well. So it's about imposing ourselves on that game and, and getting the right result for Doncaster Rovers.
1: Well, we wish you all the best with tomorrow's game and for the rest of the season. Thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us today, Andy.
7: No, thank you very much. Thank you.
1: Andy Butler, Doncaster Rovers manager there. Um, Michelle, anything you'd like to say about the the nil-nil between Bristol Rovers and Wimbledon that doesn't relate to weather?
3: Um, No, apart from on Mother's Day morning, um, my little boy came into our bedroom with my husband and now I have a Joey Barton book to read so I can find out about (laughs) the inner workings of the new Rovers manager and find out why we have to wait so long for post-match.
1: Did I say that? Sorry. Uh, Excellent. Uh, Right, let's carry on building this midweek hacker with the help of Paddy Power then. Uh, Ross, your selection comes from League One.
4: Yes, I went to watch MK Dons last week and although they got beat beat, uh, against Blackpool at home, it's two teams, I think, against... uh, Sorry, MK Dons against Plymouth. Two teams that like to dominate the ball. I I, I like watching both of them. Respect for both managers. Different stages of their career, but I'm going to back MK Dons to... To beat Plymouth at home, Abby. What are the odds
1: on that, please?
5: They are the favourites. MK Dons ten to eleven to win this one. Uh, Plymouth twenty-seven to ten with the draw five to two.
1: Lovely. We'll complete the accolade. At next up, League Two. This episode is brought to you by
0: Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear courtside seats to an NBA game and more head over to michelobeultra.com slash courtside to learn more this is the totally football league
5: show part of the athletic podcast network
1: Big 2 headlines the top six all won, keeping Cheltenham top of the pile. Grimsby and Southend remain in the bottom two after both were held to goalless draws. An old player story of the week, 42-year-old Kevin Ellison got on the score sheet for Newport this weekend and celebrated by shouting in the face of his former manager Derek Adams. Uh, Paradoxically, Newport have condemned the online abuse suffered by their manager Mike Flynn. We're going to start there with the League Two game of the day from the weekend. Cambridge keeping themselves in the automatic promotion places after coming from 2-0 down to be Oldham 4-2 in Keith Curl's second game as Latik's boss. Uh, Davis Keller done. Always good to get Davis in there. Mr. Penn for 3-3, having wrestled the ball off his teammate because he was on a hat-trick. This is not the kind of thing you want to see, Ross, from your players, presumably. And we've seen it quite a lot in recent weeks. We saw it at Hull, didn't we? Um, What was that, a fortnight ago? It seemed to be catching.
4: Yeah, and it makes just it makes things uncertain when they don't need to be, do they? You know, you you tend to you tend to have your decision made and those things set in place. And a penalty is such a pivotal, obviously, a such a pivotal moment of the game. So I think to to cause that disruption and leave yourself in that vulnerable position, it, it's just something that I don't think you really need to. Uh, and line, you don't really need to go down. So it makes it very very difficult and causes. Even more pressure on a on a big moment, at, at a turning point in the game at three two to to the player that's that's brought that
1: pressure on himself. Uh, Michelle Keith Kerr mentioned him. He's he's the new man in. What are your thoughts on on his appointment as the successor to Harikil?
3: Um, time will tell. Is the old cliche, but um, that's not a ringing his...
2: endorsement there, Michelle. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just what happened at Northampton recently. I was surprised to see him sort of. Straight back into work, you know, quite soon, really. Straight was about a month ago that he left Northampton. They were 23rd and they had just six wins and 20 goals, I think. So, um, I don't know. I'm sure he probably interviewed well. And I mean, Oldham, they look okay, don't they, to, to stay up unless they really capitulate. I mean, yeah, his deal's to the end of the season initially. So, I guess just, just see where they go, steady the ship and see if he, he wants to stay on. And they want him to stay on from the end of the season, really. I, I guess that's why um, it's probably a reasonably safe appointment, reasonably safe pair of hands, just to, just to keep them up mid-table where they need to be.
1: Yeah, and the Oldham website um, certainly doing the best to, to boost his ego. The 57-year-old mastermind. I think they meant masterminded <laughs> Northampton's promotion from Skybet <laughs> too. Um,
2: Adrian, you and I... I... Would you, Ross, back in the day, Did you ever get that shout not
1: 57. Uh, I yeah, not the, yeah, yeah, thank God for that. <laughs>
4: uh, no, not, not that I'm aware of anyway.
1: Uh, Adrian, you and I are in trouble with our old pal Joe Crilly. He wants to know where all the Bolton lovers gone on this podcast this season. Eight wins and two draws in the last 10. The latest victory at Port Vale on Saturday. We've spoken about Ian Everett not always in a positive light this
2: season, but he seems to have found the winning formula. Yeah, uh, Bolton fans had to be patient, didn't they? They made so many signings in the summer that I think it was all just a little bit too disjointed. They didn't really know what sort of team they were. Ian Everett had his ideas and a very clear identity, but it, it's taken a while for the players to sort of grasp all that he wants and to, and to become a team. Um, but we've seen that over the course of, of the last sort of 11, 12 games. I think over 11, they've won nine and drawn two. The key, and Joe Creely will know this, our, our good pal, is clean sheets seven of them out of the last 11 they're a different side now to the one that was sort of spanked 6-3 by Port Vale this one couldn't have been any different going to Vale Park bad pitch scrappy game but they you know they toughed it out and and won won 1-0 and they found themselves a partnership at the back I think that's key Ross will know this I think if you can get a centre back partnership that has good chemistry and you can play them week in week out that's that's the sort of foundation to build around. And, and Ricardo Santos and Alex Baptiste are, are in a good groove at the moment. And so, so that's, that's given them the platform to win games. And look, we know who they got up top, Owen Doyle and others, Nathan D'Alfonso, etc. So yeah, Bolton, from nowhere, look, look definite playoff contenders now.
1: Ross, your Orient thrashed them four 0 back in October. We mentioned Bournemouth and their big budget earlier. Is that kind of an extra motivation for for Orient players when you come up a team, come up against a team who, who've spent big money and, and probably earned big money as well,
4: big time. And I, but I think what we found when we when we got that result was it was a team in that transition, I don't know if that's the right word, but it was that team at that stage that you could see where Ian Evitt was trying to get his team to. His Barrow team played really good football 4-3-3 and they, they didn't look like they quite knew where they were or where they were trying to get to and hadn't quite established that yet. So we felt we could... We could catch them cold a little bit and 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 build on that uncertainty. I don't think anyone thought we'd beat them four 0 but it certainly it certainly does give you uh, that little edge because it's Bolton. Ultimately, Leighton Orient playing against Bolton is um is obviously a massive occasion. Whether there's people in the stadium, whether it's in League Two or any you know in, in in a cup game in the past when you would have come up against them, so it certainly adds a little bit of an edge to it. We had. Connor Wilkinson at the time, who was an ex-Bolton player, so he certainly had a point to prove. So uh, a lot of things sort of worked in our favour and, and we caught them, caught them like that. But what we did start to see is the change. They they beat us at, at home not so long ago um, as part of this run that they're on now. And and uh, you see that they were a lot more solid. Uh, they were starting to really, really find... A way of playing and like you just touched upon there about the two boys at the back I think that was the early stages of that partnership but they look really comfortable both very good in possession but very good defensively and and obviously Santos is obviously a big strong boy so he
1: can cope with the other side of League Two football as well. Excellent Uh, let's finish off this ACA then before we go Michelle your selection comes from League Two.
3: Yeah I've gone for Cheltenham to beat Borough although Borough have had a Couple of decent results lately, still fancy chat. I'm top of the table against 22nd.
2: Uh, Clark, you've also gone for a League Two game. I have, yeah. I when I, when I picked this out, I, I kind of forgot that that Tranmere had, had been involved in in oh, getting your there excuses might, in what way yeah, more than 24 hours. Delayed, in. But look, I'm going, I'm going to stick with it because I think they're a good team. We've got we, we, we've we've explained that earlier on in the show, they've just run Sunderland really, really close at Wembley. They go to Grimsby and Grimsby, look, they're the bottom team in the EFL. They're really struggling to score goals. There's a little bit of improvement from them in in recent weeks, but, but I think there's a golfing quality between the two sides. So even if they are a little bit knackered from their exertions at Wembley, I still think going from Sunderland to Grimsby will be a welcome change for them. And I think they'll win the game.
1: Abby, let's get some odds on those two games, please, and what it does for the ACA.
5: Yeah, so those are two of the three odds on results in League Two that Paddy Power have put for The midweek action start with Cheltenham; they are three to four to beat Barrow. Barrow fifteen to four, and with Clarke's pick, uh, Tranmere are still the favourites. They play on Wednesday; they are nineteen to twenty with Grimsby fourteen to five, and it will come as no surprise that the twenty-four hour champions of the Pizza Cup are the other favourites. The <laughs> odds on in uh, League Two, Salford are eight. To 13 to beat Colchester but back to the acca what does it all mean well put that all together we are looking at 12 to 1 for this week's accumulator a little bit longer odds than last week but I have faith now that we've got one we can get them all
1: uh, last question of the show comes from friend of the show, Robin Cowan, who asks, was anyone else disappointed Nigel Pearson didn't have the sleeves torn off his puffer jacket? Didn't recognise him with his arms covered. <laughs> uh, Michelle, you're, uh, you're our Bristol City correspondent. Uh, what did you make of, of Big Nigel's sartorial choice?
3: Oh, he's an absolute fashionista, isn't he? We'll see what he's wearing. Where, where are they? Oh, <laughs> Blackburn on Wednesday. I think I need long sleeves for that.
1: <laughs> uh, Ross, what, what, what's your stance on, on tracksuit versus suit on the touchline? you like to mix it up a bit or are you firmly in one or the other camp?
4: No, I've firmly tracksuit, baseball cap. But to be honest, when I look around at myself sometimes on the sideline, I look like I've raided the club shop, if I'm brutally honest. But... Um, <laughs> No, I'm not, I am not. I haven't got good enough clobber to, to wear a suit or go for smart <laughs> casual. So I'll stick to the club tracksuit. So, so it's a lot easier cut, that way. Cut from the Tony Pulis cloth, eh, hey, Ross? <laughs> something like that. Yeah, something like that. Some, some, some people refer to me as Russell Slade. Instead, I'm not sure what one I'm happier
1: with. <laughs> well, with either of those two, if the cap fits, you know, literally. Uh, right, that'll just about do it for us for this week. Uh, Ross, many thanks for coming on. It's been a pleasure. We'll have to have you back soon. Appreciate you having me on. Thanks very much. Uh, Clarky, Michelle, many thanks to, and to producer Abby. She'll be back with George and Ali for extra time on Thursday. We'll meet again, same time, same place next week. Until then, from all of us here, it's goodbye.
5: You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Keep up to date with everything totally at thetotallyfootballshow.com and by following at thetotallyshow on Twitter and Insta. Check out all of the Athletics Football Podcasts on Apple, Spotify, and all the usual places. Or listen ad-free on the Athletic app. The Totally Football League Show is a money news Media production and sponsored by Paddy Power.
7: Finding it difficult to get off to sleep? Well, you are not alone. After a long day of Zoom, doom and gloom, it's hard to relax and just drop off. Maybe you need a bedtime story. I know, there's a lot of them out there. They ask you to imagine that you're laying on a lily of contentedness, drifting upon a lake of calm, holding hands with the otter of placidity. Our one isn't like that. It's a football bedtime story, and it sounds like this.
3: When Brian Clough arrived at Nottingham Forest in January, 1975, they were a mediocre provincial club whose most recent success was winning the FA Cup in 1959. But they were 13th in the old second division now. Clough, too, was damaged
7: goods. So give it a go tonight. Subscribe to Football Bedtime Stories on your favourite podcast provider now. The Athletic.